Glory to God. Well, tonight I had, you know, I went back and forth on a lot of different things, but you'll find out tonight that Keith and I are totally opposite from each other. I mean, we are like opposite ends of the spectrum, you know. But we are so madly in love with each other and have been ever since we've been 13 years old. The first time I ever met my husband, we were like a year or so before that, we were going on a class picnic deal, a project kind of deal, and we were going to the zoo. And um, he got in the school bus, and he got in the seat behind, I, I think it was, no, he was right in front of me, and I was right behind him, and he got in his seat, and he was sitting on the outside of the aisle, and I was kind of sitting catty corner from him here, and he took his little denim jacket, and he folded it ever so neatly across his lap like this, and I said, that's the man I'm going to marry. I mean, of course, we didn't date for, you know, whatever. But eventually, we got together. And we eventually dated and got married. Well, when we dated and got married, we did not talk about going in the ministry. Do you understand? We talked about fighting. He was going to be a fighter, a full-contact karate fighter. He started fighting karate when he was little because the boys beat him up on the school bus. <laughs> and so his daddy put him in school for karate. It was true. But there were six of them that beat one up. So it was not, you know. But anyway, so he, but they didn't beat him up after that, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, so he was going to be a fighter. Or I thought later, really, I thought he was going to be a race car driver because all he wanted to do was race his motorcycle. One day we were out. And these guys came up, and we were on his motorcycle. And they said, you want to race? And he says, sure. So here I am on the back of the motorcycle. And he says, sure, let's race. And we go down the road, and he rears it straight up in the air, and I'm on the back of the motorcycle. I thought he was going to be a racer. No, he wasn't going to be a racer. So, But when we got married, it looked like he was going to be a doctor. You remember that? Yes. Looked like for a little while. He had, what do you call them, scholarships, because he had done so well in school. He was very, very smart. But we got married, and of all the things he could have done, he drove a truck. Now, smart as he is, he drove a truck. Now, God is smarter than us. And anyway, we got in the ministry. And we were there not very long at Ramah, and he went back to Mississippi, and he heard it on the radio. Reverend Keith Moore will be preaching at this such and such church on Sunday morning. And we both looked at each other and almost fell out of our seats in the car. He almost ran off the road. Reverend Keith Moore? The first time he heard it, he said, I'm a reverend, Phyllis. I'm a reverend. We had no idea we were going to go in the ministry. So did I expect that? No way, no how, not in a million years, not in a gazillion years did I expect my husband was going to be in the ministry. Ever, never, never, ever, never. So does anybody have one of those GPS things in your car? 
You ever seen one of them? You ever used one of them? They usually have this word that they say often. Recalculating. Recalculating. You'll be going down the road, and you think you're going the right way, and then just all of a sudden, out of the blue, you're going straight, and you think you're supposed to be going straight, and just all of a sudden, it'll say, Recalculating. That's what I had to do. I had to recalculate my life at that point. I thought, ministry? Reverend? What are all our friends going to think? <laughs> Reverend. And I had a choice. And guess what choice I made? Praise God was the wrong choice. I went the other way. And I rebelled. And I said, I'm going to work. I know how to make money. I'm going to stay in the world. And I'm going to not recalculate. He can do this. I can do this. I didn't recalculate. We had major trouble for years. Because I refused to recalculate. He recalculated. God said, go in the ministry. He recalculated. He reset. He quit doing the things he was doing. They said, do this. He did it. They said, do this. He did it. He said, Phil, how about doing this? He said, Phil, what about if we do I was not going to recalculate. It was imposing on what I wanted to do. It was imposing on my life. I liked making money and spending it. <laughs> I did. I mean, I like spending it even on him. I bought him a new car for his birthday one time, and we, you know, I mean, I liked it. But you know what? It wasn't recalculating into God's plan. Wasn't what God said. You know, we had this friend, and um, she had these two grandboys, and uh, she was babysitting them one time. And I think they were like three and four years old. And they told her, Grammy, we want some macaroni and cheese for supper. She said, great. They told me what they wanted. This is going to be great. She goes to the store. She buys three different kinds of cheeses. This is a true story. She goes to the store. She buys the cheeses. She buys the heavy whipping cream. She buys all the things that you need in order to make macaroni and cheese, the really good noodles and all this stuff. She goes home. She gets out her saucepan. She makes the sauce. She does all the things. She boils the noodles. She does everything. She takes it. She mixes it together. She puts it in the oven. She calls the boys in when it's done. She sits them down at the table. She says, sit down here, you know, and eat your macaroni and cheese. They took one bite of that macaroni and cheese, and they looked at each other, and the oldest one looked up and he said, not my hounch. She went, what? He said, not my hounch. She's trying to figure it out. Not my hounch. He was saying, not my house. In other words, this is not the way the macaroni and cheese was made at his house. 
Now, she had worked on it for a very long time. But he said, this is not the way it's done at my house. Do you understand? So what she did was she called the little boy's moms. And she said, how do you make a macaroni and cheese? I made a macaroni. She is an excellent cook. I made a macaroni and cheese. How do you make macaroni and cheese? She says, oh, mama, go to the store and buy a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Pour it out. Pour it and slap it on the table. So tell me this. Did that make her way of making macaroni and cheese wrong? Was her macaroni and cheese bad? It was just not the way they liked it, right? Well, no, those boys, I know, and they're grown now. And I guarantee you, if you were to see them today, they'd probably want the other macaroni and cheese <laughs> because they know the difference now. They know the taste of something good and something artificial, right? So I think they probably recalculated their taste by now. What we have to decide and what we have to look at, what I finally had to do was look at recalculating my life based upon what Jesus said if things were going to get better between Keith and I. It wasn't what Keith said. Keith wasn't trying to make me do it his way, what was going on in his house, the way he wanted it done. When we got married, things in his house were quite different than the way I grew up. I'll explain. My mother ran my house. His mother didn't run his house. His daddy ran his house. So when you put his mother not running his house and my mother running my house, and you put those two together, what do you think you're going to get? Confusion. Major problems. Major, she's the head here and he's the head here. So when I married Keith, it was quite different. His mother cooked hot meals every single day. And not only did she cook hot meals every single day, she cooked fresh desserts every single day, like fresh pies and pastries every single day. You talk about some recalculating. I had to do some recalculating. Now, I could cook gumbo, but he wouldn't touch gumbo within 5,000 yards. <laughs> recalculating. So at that time, I did a little recalculating, and I came up with the conclusion I wasn't going to try to make pies. It took me 35 years to learn how to make a biscuit, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> but I didn't quit. But we finally recalculated some things. And I decided, after much seeking the Lord and much turmoil, and like Keith said last night, torment, fear, that I wasn't following Jesus. And you have to make a decision if you're going to do it your way or you're going to follow Jesus. At some point in your life, there has to be a choice. And if you're going to recalculate and do it his way or your way. Look at this one for just a second. I thought about this as I was preparing this. And I thought about the disciples. Now think with me just for a second. 
Now here they are, and they're out on this boat, and they're fishing, and Jesus says, what? Come follow me. Now I know exactly what they did because these are good, godly husbands. They went home and they took a poll with their family. And they said, family, do we follow Jesus or do we not? And the family raised their hands and voted. I say yes. You say yes. You say no. The yeses win. So they followed Jesus. Do you all think that's how it went? What happened? The scripture says they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. So, me being a woman, I thought this. I could just see this happening. Peter goes home and he looks at his wife and he says, guess what? I quit my job today to follow a man I never met. <laughs> and we don't have any money coming in anymore. And I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be doing yet. And I don't think he has a job either. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't think very many people like him. <laughs> Everybody keeps talking bad about him. And he went home and told his wife that. And I know exactly what she did because she supports her husband so well. She just danced around and said, yay, it's going to be great. Huh? Huh? How many women think that's what happened? I don't probably think so. I think she probably had a few words like, where are we going to do our shopping? What's going to happen with the kids? They're not going to have any clothes. We're not going to have any food. Where am I going to get my nails done? And what am I going to say when I go to the beauty parlor? What do you think? Do you think they had to deal with it when they got home? I think they most likely did. But did it change their mind? Did they say, Yep, sweetheart, you convinced me. It's the kids' shoes that did it. It's that we're not going to be able to belong to the country club. Matthew, the tax collector, I know his wife said, country club, we're not going to be able to go there anymore. I mean, what are we going to do? How are we ever going to be able to be a part of things like that anymore? What about my jewels? What about all my stuff? We won't be able to have that anymore. What are we going to do? And I know he said, oh, sweetheart, I just won't do it then. If you don't think I should do it, I just won't do it. Well, I didn't see that anywhere when I kept reading. It's not there. They immediately left what they were doing and followed Jesus. And that's the determining factor in our lives. It doesn't matter what she thinks. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter what mama thinks. It doesn't matter what your brother thinks. It's time for what? Recalculating. Do you want to know what recalculating means? I think I have it here in my notes. It says to modify, to adapt, or to change. Now, Keith flies all the time, and he was telling me, you know, 
when you're on course, a lot of times they'll send you around weather or they'll do this or they'll do that. And he's all the time having to recalculate because if he don't, he could wind up in Mexico instead of Colorado. And that's the way it would be in our lives. I was thinking about this. And people are all the time, when they're doing these things and they make a decision not to recalculate or to recalculate. Think about this. You're going down the road, and your GPS says, recalculate. But you decide you don't want to recalculate, like I didn't want to recalculate. Okay? You decide, no, I don't want to recalculate. I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. But that car is going to go that way. So what do you do? You get out of your car at the red light, and you get in that car next to you. Because you don't want to go that way. So you get in this car next to you. Well, maybe it's a stick shift and you can't drive a stick shift. But it's going the direction you want it to go because you're started turning and this one's going straight. Because you didn't want to recalculate. Where's that car going to take you? Huh? You don't know, do you? You have no clue where that car's going to take you. It could take you to a job you don't like. It could take you to a city you're not supposed to be in. It could take you to another person you're not supposed to be married to. It could take your kids to a school they're not supposed to be in. If you refuse to recalculate, it could put you in danger of being someplace you're not supposed to be. Because you got in a different car. You got in a different place. Because you didn't recalculate when you were supposed to recalculate. Have you ever, I know I have, driven into the wrong part of town and be in a wrong place that you're not supposed to be? And you think, I ain't supposed to be here. Especially ladies by yourself. Have you ever done that? You think, get me out of here as quick as I can get out of here? You should have recalculated. Well, that's what happens with people. When they don't recalculate, they put themselves in danger of things happening to them. They put themselves in places that they shouldn't be. And they put themselves in places where things can happen and the devil can get in and, and maybe that guy can get just a little too close to her. Or maybe they can get around things that they shouldn't get around and money be an issue. Because they refuse to recalculate and do what God asked them to do. That's what I was doing. That's what, you know, a lot of times you tell stories because you know the things yourself. I was working in the world continuously. Keith was working in the ministry. And I was refusing to get out of the world. Do you know it will not work if one person is going this way for God? And the other person is going this way. It just won't work. Somebody has to do some recalculating. Somebody has to get in line with what the GPS is saying go. Well, how do you decide? Well, you decide by following the anointing and following what Jesus told you to do. Amen. And it becomes an issue when problems start happening. Then people start getting upset. 
Well, the reason a lot of times that we were having the, the biggest problems is because we were dealing with things we shouldn't have even been dealing with in our marriage because we were in places in our marriage that we shouldn't have been. Because I shouldn't have been going to work every day. I should have been hooked with him doing what we were supposed to be doing. Then the door wouldn't have been open like what he was talking about last night. And the devil couldn't have got in. But I was in the wrong place. We want to recalculate and be in the right place. Now, let's get back to what did you expect. When you met your husband... What did you expect him to be like? Or when you met your wife, what did you expect her to be like? I know I expected Keith to be certain things. I expected him to be very neat because he is very neat. I expected him to do certain things and be certain things. But you know what? Everything I expected wasn't just how I expected it to be. Now, see, you got quiet. So let's see who's... Your spouse. How many of you have been married over five years? Good enough. 98% of the crowd. How many of you have found things about your spouse that you didn't expect it to be that way after five years? Do they do things different than what you expected? Most people expect things like this. They expect this is what they build up in their head. They expect that when they get married that their spouse is going to be like what their mom and dad were to an extent. In some ways. Like, in other words, if dad took out the trash, my husband's going to take out the trash. If dad barbecued on Sunday afternoon, my husband's going to be a great guy to barbecue. If mom did all the laundry, then my wife's going to do all the laundry. If Mom was a good cook. She's going to be a good cook. People are laughing. (laughs) And they get in the marriage, and the first time they do a load of laundry, their white shirt comes out green. (laughs) And the first time they cook something, uh, burn is the good part. (laughs) I remember a lemon pie that I made. Keith loves telling the story. My dad came to visit us, and his favorite food was lemon pie. And so I baked this lemon pie, and it looked wonderful. It looked like you could put it in a magazine, but then the taste. (laughs) So Keith sat there at the table, ever so politely, and he took a bite, and he didn't say a word. He waited on my dad to take a bite. (laughs) And he was turning, his whole mouth was turning inside out. (laughs) And tears were rolling down his face. It was so sour. You couldn't eat it. And my dad was so sweet. He said, he said, Phil, um, it's a little bit sour. But he said, don't throw it out. Don't throw it. My daddy throws nothing out. He said, but don't throw it out. We might eat some more later. But he said, it was no way he was eating any of that later. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. But you know what? 
I never could bake. I never was a baker. That was his mom's talent, you know. And now I can cook some things, but baking. So you know what I decided? I'm going to let that be her special treat to us every time I see her. She can bake us some pies, glory to God. And that's her talent, and she can just do it for us. And I'm not going to try to bake pies. It's just not my area. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't stand around and compare me to his mom baking pies. He didn't say after I baked that pie, he didn't say, now Phil, mom could have done that if you'd call mom. Do you hear me? He didn't say, now Phil, if you would call mom, she might could help you with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? No wife wants to hear that, guys. Huh? She doesn't want to be compared to your mother. Ever. Let's say that again. She doesn't want to be compared to your mother like ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never. Ever. I don't care if it's a good trait. She doesn't want to be compared to your mother. She might love your mother, but she doesn't want to be compared to your mother. And girls, it's the same thing. Don't call daddy to fix your cabinet for you when your husband's standing right there. You get it? Make him strap on the tool belt. It may be a crooked door. And the faucet may drip. But he's the macho one, not your dad. I mean, what did you expect to get in him? Just because your dad could fix everything around the house, did you expect your husband to be able to do it? Huh? And do you get mad because it's not fixed on time? Huh? Re what? No need to get mad. He's not your dad. You didn't marry your dad. You would better. <laughs> Were you trying to marry your dad? You know, and, and guys, you didn't marry your mom. If you want something from your mom, get in your car and go see your mom. Or if you want something from your dad, go see your dad. But don't compare what one did to the other one. And that happens so much in marriage. And then even today, I've seen it happen. It is so sad. Comparing your new wife or husband to your ex. I've seen it. The kids will say, but she does it. And they're like, you just stand there and your mouth falls open. That's not smart. It's not smart. That's opening, like he said last night, That's let's shut some doors. I mean, let's slam some doors. Not just shut them, let's slam them. What did you expect your spouse to be like? Today, so many men cook and the women don't. I mean, things are different than they used to be. 
I mean, actually in my house, my mom didn't do a whole lot of cooking. My dad cooked a lot. But now, Keith's dad, he never cooked. Well, he did. I'll take that back. When he went and lived by himself, he learned how to cook pork and beans and grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) It's staples, isn't it? Yeah. And he could live on them if he had to. But don't look at your spouse and see something that you want them to be that was something you expected of them because of something you saw in somebody else. Expect them to be who they are and who God wants them to be. And the funny thing is, people change. I thank God that I am not the same person that I was when Keith and I met when we were 14. I thank God that I've grown. And I don't do all the dumb, stupid things I did when I was 14. Or 15. Or 20. Or 21. I am 54 years old. How many years is it 14 to 54? 12. (laughs) And I've learned a few things in those 12 years. And you don't do things like you did when you were that young. You get a few little brains up there. And I thank God that through that time, that when I made those mistakes of not following after God and things were so bad, I realized, blonde or not, you don't do it that way anymore unless you want major troubles. And when God says do something, what's the best thing to do? You do it. You do what God says do, and you have less troubles. So that's why when he said last night, if God says do it, well, do you want a bunch of troubles? I've had both ways, and I like less trouble. (laughs) Keith has this saying. When it comes to people, expect nothing and appreciate everything. So look at your spouse differently. Quit comparing them to the neighbor or to the person on TV. What do you expect them to be? You expect them to be what God expects them to be. And start saying, God, what do you expect them to be? And you know, the sad part about it is some people don't want their spouse to be what God wants them to be. And that's when you run into real problems. You should ask God, God, I know what I want them to be, but what do you want them to be? And I'm open to it. And when you do that, things will get amazingly better. So many people want like these fairy tale, happily ever after stories. Well, you can't have a fairy tale, but you can definitely have a happily ever after story because that's reality. When you do what God tells you to do, things will go well for you and you will get all these wonderful, amazing things. If you've ever been around me, you hear me say this all the time. I am God's favorite. And I believe it. I totally believe it. I believe I have the best husband in the whole wide world. I do. And I believe we have the best staff in the whole wide world. I believe God's given us the best call in the whole wide world. We're with the best people in the whole wide world. 
He does things for us. I mean, I just get amazed sometimes at what he does for us. Keith laughs at me sometimes because we go to a place to go somewhere and it's just packed out. I remember here, we were going to a parade or something. And uh, I mean, the place was just jam-packed. You couldn't get within miles of it. And he said, well, we should probably park back here. I said, no, go as close as you can get. Now, this is just because I'm God's favorite. Why? Because I recalculated. I said, go as close as you can get. He's sitting right there. He'll testify. We went up within a half a block. Was it a half a block even that far? Of where the parade was, pulled up, got out of our car, and walked like this and stood there. Why? Because when you recalculate and you do things God's way, you can be his favorite too. Because then his blessings can come on you and you are shutting the door to the devil. He doesn't have access like Keith said. But you got to follow Jesus. That's what the disciples did. It didn't matter what the cost was. It didn't matter what all the people around them said. It didn't matter what their family said. It didn't matter what anybody else said. It mattered what God said. When you do that with the unstoppable love, you will never fail. Now, if you go in there... And you say, I don't care what you want. I'm doing this. You may get. How did your papa used to say that? Time up in a bed sheet. <laughs> what did he used to say? Well, that's time up in a bed sheet and beat him with a frying pan. Yeah. Time up in a bed sheet and beat him with a frying pan. <laughs> you may get that if you say that. But if you say it in love and you say, you go home and Mrs. Peter says all those things or Mrs. Matthew says all those things, then what you should respond if you're the head is, you know what? I am following the anointing. That man is anointed and I know it's God. I believe, I truly believe it's God. I believe it's right. And I believe that we should do it. Would you go with me? I believe this is what we should do. With all humbleness, kindness, I believe you'll get a different result than if you go in there and demand that somebody do something. Let's look at a scripture. Since we've got the lights back on, they'll actually be able to put it on the screen. Romans 12, 2. It says, in the Amplified, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its eternal, superficial customs. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. What's the last two words? For you. you. We don't want to conform to the world with our ideals of marriage. We don't want to do what we see on the TV shows. We don't want to do what we see other people in the world doing. We have one place that we're supposed to look for our answers in marriage. 
And it's not what the TV shows say. It's not what your mama said. It's not what Aunt Susie said. It's just the Bible, and it's God. And if we do things His way, then we are going to be the most blessed people in the whole world. And people are going to want to know how you got where you are to where you're not fighting all the time. Because it's a rare thing to see people that are happy. I said this the other day, and it's true. We drove through Starbucks the other day, and when we did, we were laughing and giggling, and they said, you are the only happy people that have driven through here all day long. (laughs) They actually said that to us. And I thought, you know what? It's so true. You see people today, and they're just not happy. They're just going through the motions and trying to get done what they got to get done, and they're just upset and bitter and mad, and we don't have to be that way. We can actually be happy and actually be enjoying life because God's blessings are upon us and His favor is on us and good things are coming our way all the time because we're not living the world's way. We're not consumed with all the things it's consumed with. Let's look at these next ones and see what they did. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. I think you know the story. It's about Naaman. And he went to get healed of leprosy. And Elisha said, "Uh, I ain't coming out and seeing you. This is my wording. (laughs) Just go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. And Naaman went away, what? Angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Did he expect something? He had it in his mind the way that things were going to be. Have you gotten things in your mind before the way that things are going to be? Maybe for your anniversary or your birthday or for this new house, or for this new car, or for this new job, or that you were just going to get this, or they were going to do this for you. And it just didn't work out the way you thought in your mind that it was going to work out. Did you get upset? I know I have. I thought, why did he have to schedule that meeting on my birthday? Why? That was when I was young and immature, last year. (laughs) No, I really did get over that a long time ago. But have you ever done it? Have you ever thought, I thought they were going to buy me that, or I thought this was going to happen, or I thought we were going to do this, and they totally forgot about it? Did you expect something and it didn't come to pass? And did you get your feelings hurt? And did you mope around for a few days or a few weeks or a longer time than that? Huh? We got two honest people in the whole room. (laughs) Me and somebody else. (laughs) You know you did. You expected them to do something and they didn't do it. You expected they were going to pick up your cleaning and they didn't do it. You expected just even something big or something little. You just expected that it was going to happen. And it was one of those days and it just rubbed you the wrong way. 
That is time for recalculating. It's your opportunity to recalculate. You cannot be moved by the way that everything is going in your life. If you are moved every day by the way things you've set up in your mind or that you think the day is going to go and you're unwilling to make any adjustments, your life is going to be ruined. Because the devil has access to your life. And he can make changes in your life every single day. He can send somebody across your path to say, you're mean, you're ugly. Oh, you better recalculate or you're going to get mad. (laughs) Or he can come in and he can steal all your money. Or he can send somebody to hit your car. Better recalculate. If you're in the wrong place, those things can happen. I know when we were doing this building, there was just time after time after time after time after time that we were thinking it was going this way. And then all of a sudden we had to turn and go this way. I remember Rob and Dan, we were having to pull this cable, do something. I can't remember what it was. And they got tired of doing it the way they were doing it. And they thought, I know what they thought. We'll make it work. That was, that's their famous words, them, Tom, Dave. We'll make it work. Somehow we'll make it work. The next thing I knew, they had invented something. They had gone home. They had built it. They had welded it. They had made it. I don't, it's something that they built, but they made it work. They recalculated. Well, what happened with Naaman? He got mad. Now, what about if he had stayed mad? What did he do really quickly? He made a change, he recalculated. And that's what can happen in your life. Maybe you do get blow off the handle and get upset. How quickly can you recalculate and get it right? How quickly can you change and make things right? Then you cannot lose the blessing that was before you. Just make the adjustment. Don't get your feelings hurt. Don't get mad. Don't get bent out of shape. Just recalculate. Just make the adjustment. Make it right. Let's look at another one real quick. Luke 18. NIV. There was a certain young ruler that asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false witness, honor your father and your mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for a rich Uh, the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. What did he have a choice to do then? Change. Recalculate. Did Jesus tell him basically any different than he told the rest of the disciples? Give up what you have and come follow me. Was he telling him anything any different than he told anybody else? Whose life was blessed? The ones that left everything they had and followed Jesus. 
You can hold on to everything that you've got and lose it. But if you make the choice as soon as the Lord tells you to do something, it's best sometimes to not even think about it. Just when He tells you to do something, do it. Because He's your source anyway. The rich young ruler missed out on so many different things. And all he had to do was recalculate and follow Jesus. Are you getting the picture? You know, I thought about this, and I thought about putting it in my notes, and then I said, no, but I'm going to tell you anyway. A lot of times people say, well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do is follow Jesus. And they won't listen. They won't come with me. They won't follow. What do you do when you know you've heard from God? You remember a story about Pilate and his wife? Pilate's wife had definitely heard from God. She said, I had a dream about this man. And you shouldn't have anything to do with this. You should stay away from this. In other words, this is a good man. You stay away from all of this. Was that God? Was it God? Was her dream God? Absolutely it was. What did she do after that? She left it alone. She just told her husband and left it alone. She didn't go around and try to make it happen. She didn't go around and try to force him to do anything. She didn't go around and try to tell other people. She didn't put pressure on her husband. What did she do? She told him and left it alone. And that is exactly how God works with us. He tells us things, then he leaves them alone. And that's what we have to do. We have to trust God when we tell it, then it's his job to deal with the people. You can't make it happen in people's lives, but you can trust God to deal with them then that it will happen in their lives. Because if they won't listen to God, they're not going to listen to you. Now here's the last one. I think you'll like it. Changing what you had planned and what you thought, and is your spouse who you thought they would be, can either make your marriage work or not work. It's left up to you. You can stay offended and bitter all the time, or you can just make adjustments with what's going on, with what they, who they are and what they are all the days of your life. I said this recently in Branson when the Copelands were there. I asked Gloria one day. I said, Gloria, how do you do it? This was years and years ago. Because Brother Kenneth was always going here and going there and buying this and buying that. And it was when we first started in the ministry. I said, how do you do it? How do you stay, you know, so hooked with this and doing that and doing that and, you know, going here and just picking up and going there and going? And she looked at me and we were standing in her kitchen and she looked at me and she said, Phil, I just stay very flexible. (laughs) Very flexible. Well, you know what? If a tree stays very flexible, it don't break. And it's the same thing with your marriage. If you get rigid about stuff and it's going to be this way and it's going to be this way and it's going to be this way and you're going to do it this way and we're going to have it this way, something's going to break. Something's going to have to give. 
But if you stay flexible and keep that love thing going, it cannot break. Let's look at this last one, and I think you'll enjoy it. Genesis 29, NIV, verse 25. And when the morning came, there was Leah. Reckon, just reckon Jacob had to do any recalculating that morning. He had married the wrong woman. Now you think you got it bad. You think you got the wrong woman. What about Jacob? He woke up the next morning and totally did have the wrong woman. And not only did he have the wrong woman, he was stuck with her. And not only was he stuck with her, he had to work another seven years to get the woman he wanted. Now, that's what I call love. God's love. He recalculated. He didn't care what it took. He was going to do whatever it took to make the situation work. And that's what he told him. Whatever you say. That's what he told him. That's what you have to be willing to do. It does not matter what you wake up with tomorrow morning. Or who you wake up with tomorrow morning. If it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Hey, some marriages, it has appeared to be that way. You could wake up with what could appear to be another person. Walk in love. Because love is unstoppable. To me, one of the greatest ways to explain love in a marriage is somebody that's willing to let it go, not press it so hard, and let God deal with them. Because if you're pressing them, God's not. Somebody's got to let it go. Love is unstoppable. You know, Smith Wigglesworth's wife, you know, you've probably all heard the story about Polly. Smith, they say, was a pretty mean man. And he supposedly would do things and stuff. And one night, she told him she was going to church. And, and um, he said, you're not. And if you go, I'm going to lock you out of the house. She went anyway. She said, you're my husband, but you're not my Lord. And I'm going to go to church. And a lot of people, I've said this before, a lot of People have used, you know, churches out to do things that they shouldn't, and we've gone into detail about that, and I won't now. But anyway, he locked her out of the house. So the next morning, she had a choice. What was her choice? She could be mad, and they could fight. She could be bitter. She could be offended. She could be upset, or she could let it go. What she did was he opened the door. She fell in. She said, morning, Smith. She jumped up. She cooked his breakfast. No fight. It's told that he raised, I don't remember how many, somebody smarter than me probably does, lots of people from the dead. Now, also that she taught him how to read and stood by his side. I'm thoroughly convinced had she not have stayed there that stuff wouldn't have happened she could have got offended mad they could have fought 
He'd have never learned how to read. Maybe he wouldn't have accomplished the things that he was supposed to have accomplished. Offenses don't help. Getting mad just gets you off your course. It give, You play right into the devil's hand for what he wants you to do. Instead of you being here, you're here. You're not even thinking right. Instead of you doing what God wants you to do, you're doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. You're in no condition to minister to anyone because you're bitter and hurt. So he couldn't send anybody across your path and say, they need love, they need attention. Their marriage is falling apart because yours is falling apart. You're bitter, you're hurt. When all it takes is somebody willing to say, ah, that's no big deal, so I slept outside last night. Huh? How big are you? We have gotten so used to everything has to be our opinion, our way. We have to voice it. Love doesn't always have to come out the one on the top. Just stop and take a step back and, okay, recalculate. I don't care if he wins. Marriage is not a competition. It's two people working together to get to a common goal for God. And if two people will work together to try to get to this goal, then they can actually accomplish something. But if you've got one person trying to go this way and one person trying to go this way, they're actually pulling the other person back. Holding them back from ever getting to the goal. And somebody has to be mature enough and wise enough and walk in love enough to say, I don't care. I care more about reaching this goal than I care about my feelings. I care more about doing what God wants us to do than I care about getting what I want. I care more about God than I do about me. I care more about that person than I do about me. And that's what true love is. That's what makes it unstoppable is because you're putting other people in front of yourself and when you do that, you will totally forget about any trouble you ever had in your marriage. You'll totally forget about any problems you have with your finances. You'll totally forget about any problems you have with your kids. You'll forget about everything that's going on in your life and you begin to think about other people and everything just seems to disappear because you've got your eyes on something up here instead of everything around you. Your eyes change total focus and they get on something else. You look up. Everybody, look up. Now, can you see the person's feet next to you? Can you see them? Look at, keep looking up. Tell me what color shoes they have on. It's pretty difficult, isn't it? And that's the way it is when you're looking to the Lord and what He wants you to do. If you have your mind and heart set on that prize... And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Our hearts set on the goal and the prize for God. Not all these petty things that are going on around us. And if we keep our eyes focused on that, then you can't be seeing this too. You've got to keep your eyes focused on that. Then all this other stuff starts going away. And it just keeps falling backward and falling backward. And you can't even see it anymore. 
Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. You got it. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand up on your feet? You know, uh, this is our first marriage meeting, and uh, we're laying foundation. And uh, so much that people get to talking about marriage is more along the lines of a Valentine card quote. (laughs) And just romantic, not realistic notions of how to do things. But... We're dealing with real life. We're dealing with truth that changes things. And uh, that was an outstanding word. Outstanding word. Outstanding word. Hallelujah. I know the Spirit of God is going to uh, bring things to our remembrance. Something's going to come up. And it's not going exactly the way we thought or hoped it would. And we're going to hear, recalculating. Right, we're gonna we're gonna look inside, and the Lord's gonna uh, show. Instead of getting mad and get upset and getting mixed up and messed up, we're gonna get through. Hallelujah, and overcome and get to what God has called us to. Let's lift up our our hearts and our hands, and look to the Lord for a moment now. Said out loud, Father God, forgive me. For being focused on the wrong thing. Or getting rigid and hard. Or demanding. Or scared. Not trusting you. Not yielding. Not being flexible. Not being willing. But I set my heart. And I say show me how. Alert me when. And I will be. Willing, ready to change, to conform to you, your will, your way, not my will, but your will be done in Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.